be sure to follow our website on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hertz, Cameron Walsh, at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson, at Gunner Stull. Also, if you'd like to support the Hockey Hurts podcast, you can do so by going to the podcast page and sign up for a monthly donation. It is much appreciated. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for August 1st of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we will discuss the Brandon Sutter for Nick Benino trade made between the Pittsburgh Penguins and Vancouver Canucks. One team, perhaps the light bulb finally has come on as far as targeting proper depth, and the other team may be entering the dark ages, and we'll discuss which is which. Uh, we also have some pretty pretty good contracts to discuss. Uh, Jakob Voracek of the Philadelphia Flyers got a big payday, uh, which isn't too much of a surprise considering how well he's played uh, recent years. Marcus Johansson, who we've discussed previously on the podcast, got a one-year extension, and Derek Stepan uh, enters big money center, that group of players that makes a decent amount of coin at that position. So all those topics uh, for this week, but we will start. Brandon Sutter finally moved by the Penguins. There were you know, rumors leading into the offseason that they were looking to move him. They finally did. They got a center in return, Nick Benino. But they also upgraded their third-round pick in next year's draft Mm -hmm. to a second-round pick and got Adam Clendenning, uh, Vancouver's top defense prospect. So not bad for Pittsburgh. As a a Penguins fan, you've got to be happy. Um, I think everyone knows that you're happy. I think everyone knows that I'm happy with it. It's one of those things where I didn't think it could actually happen. but it did, so woohoo! Yeah, I think, um, and also <laughs> I forgot to mention in our in the little monologue section there, Eric Fair signing with Pittsburgh because of the cap space they saved by trading Brandon Sutter. So I think you have to group all of that together, and the end result is Pittsburgh going from one of the more laughable bottom six forward situations the last few years to one that's starting to look pretty. Pretty good. It's not. It's yeah. The it's one of those things where I remember when Rutherford came on board. It was a little bit like, oh, do we? Don't we? Do we? Don't we like? Do we trust him? Do we not trust him? Uh, sort of a situation. But he's proven that it looks as though he's more than happy to have taken on board the sort of new view of, of how to um, evaluate talent and, and what's actually required and. You know, I have a feeling that Eric Fair will give the kind of production that, that I want. He may not score as many goals as Sutter, but that's not what I need out of my third-line centre if I was constructing a team. He may well do it, but if he doesn't score 21 and the puck's in the other end of the ice more often, I'm happier. Well, we'll get into that, a little bit of that offensive production. But to your point about Rutherford, I, I think he has a, a good right-hand man in Jason Bodrill that does believe in in the analytics. I don't know which one specifically, but uh, from everything I hear, he, he tends to lean more towards the progressive side of these things. Uh, hiring Sam Ventura, uh, which happened a week and a half ago or so, uh, Warren Ice co-founder, you know, that also speaks to at least having some kind of respect for this. Uh, Whole process, yeah. Yeah, so... 
um, their latest moves reflect uh, that kind of thought process because even if the trade was straight up Nick Benino for Brandon Sutter, the Penguins kill at it. One, because at worst, Benino and Sutter, even if they're a wash, Benino's cheaper. So Andy signed that's, for one more year. That's the bit that I. It's the and then it has and Sutter's looking like he's going to sign a, a more expensive extension. So there was no way Pittsburgh were going to keep him around in regards to a a flow for a team for a season, getting that transition away from Sutter now is better than doing it during the year when you have to have a new player come in, learn, all that sort of stuff. So Benito and Fur get to do that right from the start. In, in Eric Fair's case, it's going to be a delayed start because of that elbow injury or elbow surgery that he's, that he's having. But you would be surprised if Fur doesn't come back to the same level that he was prior. And Pittsburgh will obviously hope. I mean, they've committed three years to him. At only two mil, I thought he was going to get around double that per year. Everybody did. This is the thing. Like, It's almost as though the general managers that signed free agents from other teams didn't overpay. Like, You look at what Matt Bolesky got compared to what everyone was expecting him to, to get. Um, it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, maybe the general managers are working out not to overpay for past performance. And in the case of, obviously, a guy like Brandon Saad, pay up big for perceived forward performance moving forward. So it'll be interesting to serve the next three or four off-seasons how that transition comes about. Yeah, and to get back to comparing Nick Benino versus Brandon Sutter, um, just some quick information from the hero charts that are out there. Uh, time on ice for both players. They're both third-line uh, level for their time on ice per game. Um, goals per 60, assists per 60, and points per 60, Benino is a first-line level player at even strength. For those same stats, Brandon Sutter is third-line, fourth-line, fourth-line. So huge difference right there alone. The Penguins want four scoring lines. They've improved at their third-line center spot offensively just right there. So one of the one of the things that's sort of polar opposites in regards to the way Benino plays and, and Sutter plays is that when Sutter scores goals, they are usually extremely nice goals, and he's got an extremely good-looking skating stride. But Benino is not that kind of player. He's a little bit slower. He plays a little bit more with his brain. Um, the question for me is... Will he get knocked off the puck as easily as Sutter did when it comes to trying to win the puck back? And if he ends up being Can't knocked be off the puck... No, no, well, this is the thing. If he ends up being the same as Sutter, he's still cheaper. But his That's, offense is light years ahead of him, so... Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I don't... I know you and I differ a little bit in regards to what the bottom six need to provide compared to the top six. You want four scoring lines... I just want my third line to be capable of allowing Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin not to have to play against the top line in a shutdown thought process role. That's the big thing for me. So if the third and the fourth lines don't get absolutely caned, it means Crosby and Malkin's lines can just do what they want, knowing full well that, yeah, they're going to make mistakes and have goals scored against them, but when they're not having to try and stop the other team's best lines, 
they can still go out there and try and get that goal back. So for me, I'm hoping to see more offensive output from the top two lines purely because they don't have to be as responsible as they have been over the last two or three years. Okay. That'll shift right into let's compare them possession-wise, which is a good indicator on if you're able to push play or not, given the role that you're put in. Um, Yep. Shot generation, Corsi 4 per 60. Nick Benino, second line level. Brandon Sutter is actually below replacement level, which means that worse than fourth line in generating shot attempts. So that's not very good. Um, Here's where they're both the same. Uh, Corsi against per 60. They're both fourth line level players. That worries me. That that's the bit that worries me. I want I want my bottom six to to not have a lot of shots against them because in theory um, that third line will be playing against one of the top two lines. That's a, well maybe. I, I just I get it. In a perfect world, you want Sid to run crazy on third and fourth lines, but I think he can outperform other teams' first lines for the most part, outside of very few matchups where uh, Chicago and Boston. Uh, having Taves and Bergeron, uh, and maybe Anze Kopitar. I was thinking LA as well, yeah. Or, or even Getzlaff Perry, but the very few teams that can match up with Sidney Crosby, he's going to win his matchup regardless. So you could give that third line a little bit of an easier uh, matchup, and as it shows, Benino will pump in the offense. So there's an advantage to be had there, even though from a shot suppression standpoint, they're both below average. But Sutter can't match that offense, so... No, it just looks pretty when he scores. Um, yeah, so the thing, like, we're obviously comparing Benito and Sutter straight up here, but the other thing about it is the Eric Fair acquisition that was possible because of the trade. So it is literally like you've traded for two immediate roster players plus a higher draft pick plus a defensive prospect in a defensive pool that's been pulled apart a little bit by trades recently. So it's 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 quite handy for Pittsburgh. And only $600,000 more on the cap to bring in all that value. Yeah, and it still leaves them with some flexibility later on if they can manage to move another bad contract and, and maybe bring in someone with a little bit more experience um, that's got good possession numbers later on in the year for the back six. So we'll see. Um. Eric Fair, same hero chart comparison. Uh, time on ice, he's a third-line level player. Literally every other category on the chart, second-line level player for $2.0 million with no assets given up. Great signing, even with the, the surgery recovery, because it's a three-year deal. Who cares about the first three months of a three-year deal? Hey, it's it's the same argument I had with Oli Marta coming back early with his with his shoulder. Who cares about the first three months for this Penguins team? No one should. Everyone they should be planning to have everyone healthy when it matters. Because we saw what happened to this team when they when they got injured last year. They were just a shell of a playoff team. They they looked like a team that shouldn't have been there. Yeah, without four of your top five defensemen, that makes it a little yeah. bit rough. So exactly. And it's, yeah, and look, that's that's probably Pittsburgh's big weakness this year is the the NHL experience uh, level players that are in. We're pretty they're pretty thin back there. They don't have a lot back there, if, and they don't have a lot that could step in and, and fill holes if there's an injury to a key player or two. But 
Pittsburgh's gone from having some real terrible bottom feeders in their oh god yes in their forward grouping the last few years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're talking the Zach Sills, Craig Adams, Tanner Glass, who's might is that, the worst player in the league for the last number of years. Max Laperia. It's just it's a nice philosophical change. Either way you look at it, it should be more entertaining hockey to watch than we've we've seen lately. And for me, yeah, I want them to win the Stanley Cup, but I watch as many Penguins games as I possibly can. I'd much prefer to see a team try to win with skill than try to slow another team down. So for me, aesthetically, it's going to be great fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. And there's um, one thing I came across today. Um, Emmanuel Perry, of he has his own, uh, I believe, Ottawa Senators blog, but he does uh, stat similarities for War on Ice. He compare if you pick a specific season of a player, it'll come up with the most similar players of no matter which season they're coming from, kind of as a comparison point. Oh, what a brilliant. <laughs> That's awesome. They're basically, it's called the similarity score calculator. And I put in Nick Bonino's season last year, and it wasn't like the most common result, but 95.89% similarity to Jordan Stahl in hey! 2000 and, 2009 and 10. And do I think Nick Benino is on Jordan Stahl's level as being a third-line center? No, I don't. I just think it goes to show, and all I basically wanted out of that stat was they're getting something they haven't had since Stahl, and that's somebody that's somewhat competent at the third-line center position. And that's just a nice thing for, for them to have, to even have Jordan Stahl's name even on the perimeter show up on a similarity thing. I mean, that's not a bad spot to be. No, I did find it funny that Brandon Sutter thought he was harshly done by by the fan base because he wasn't Jordan Stahl, but no one in the fan base wanted him to be Jordan Stahl because you can't be Jordan Stahl in a third-line center role. It's just the reality of it. And he wasn't competent as just a what you'd call a traditional third-line center role. So if he goes to Vancouver and he becomes a second-line center, in theory, playing with better wingers, I think those better wingers are going to be worse off. So I am going to watch how he goes just to see if it's any different, whether a different environment helps him. But I don't, I just don't, I don't see it. No. And um, just one more thing on Sutter. Like, just going through and reading a lot of articles from non Penguins' perspective, more so Vancouver, um, I've read a few pieces from people that are Vancouver centric and not, they're not all like this. Don't get me wrong, but a good share of them, like they're just throwing out things about Sutter that are very generic and, and just aren't true. Like, Oh, he's, you know, big and tough and, and hard to play against. And no, you always, not. you always hear great penalty killer. And, and this one, I, I just, I don't understand because I took the sample size from his entire Penguins career when he came over in 2012. I looked at everybody from those three years that played 100 minutes shorthanded for forwards. I looked at the Fenwick against per 60, which is basically your ability to shot suppress uh, without holding block shots against you on the penalty kill. And you would think, well, yeah, you'd, you'd want less uh, clean shots getting through penalty killing that would be ideal if you're killing penalties 
properly, you're icing the puck down, you're, you're not giving up those opportunities. And basically, Brandon Sutter ranked 173rd out of like 218 players in that. So, <laughs> so I don't it, understand. It, he scores a few shorthanded goals doesn't mean he can kill penalties worth a damn. No, it's one of those things where you get there and look at it and it's like, is he riding, and this isn't his fault, is the perception of him riding on the fact of his last name and the fact that he can do some flashy things here and there. If you look at his overall game, he comes up short in the areas that, I, like I've always said, that I want out of out of my third line centre and my penalty killers. And it'll be I'll be very interested to see the reaction or see, see how he turns out. You know, halfway through the year, you get 40 games into the year in a new system. Should feel pretty comfortable in that. It'll be interesting to see how he gets used and, and what happens when he gets used in those sorts of situations. Is he still going to be used as a third-line centre? Or are they going to going to be no, reliant? I think they may is elevate it, him. Which, so does that mean they're going to... Is it Bo Horvat? Or have I got him mixed up with someone else? You got one of the Sedins. Bo, yeah, Bo, no, no, Bo no. Horvat is of, on their team. Yeah, so but do you see the center that they're hoping to? I can't remember this. I, I do think they have hope that he can. Yeah. But and, the Sedins, yeah. how much longer are they going to be around? Although trading them's a pain in the ass because you got to trade both of them to the same team and hope that that team has $14 million in cap space. Yeah, and trade them to a team that they want to go to. So that's that's a tough one in itself. Um, yeah, so it'll be it'll be an interesting, interesting transition for both players, I suppose. One's going into a position that the team feels like they're trending up, if you look at the fan base, and another one, and the other one's going to a team that the fan base is a bit, what the hell's going on with this hockey club? I don't think they are. I think some of them like the moves. Oh, that one's baffling. Man, Vancouver, though. I mean, if you're, if you're a GM, get Jim Benning on the phone. Well, that's the argument Yost made with with Colorado as well. <laughs> they haven't done anything dumb yet, although that, well, it's debatable. Look, t- look when, Rutherford on, when Rutherford came on board, it, there was a big risk that Pittsburgh were going to be that team to get involved with and watch Rutherford blow up a team that didn't need to be blown up. Like, he hasn't moved. Uh, one of those key assets that everyone assumed had to move for this team to change. And it just proves that if you look for value per dollar rather than um, perceived value per dollar, um, it can be done and done on the cheap. Vancouver has added or extended Derek Dorsett for 2.65 million. Uh, Lucas Spiza for $3.6 million. Traded Zach Cashin away for Brandon Prust and his $2.5 million. Uh, I just don't see any direction from Jim Benning on this on this team. I really didn't. I actually thought he'd try to create a different style of team that he's created. Um, They're better with so Mike Gillis. It, it, it feels that way in regards to putting something out there. So... We'll see. We'll see what happens with, with them. But as a Penguins fan, I'm stoked with where the, the direction of this team's managed to to head to. So it's on the players now. They stay healthy. It's on them. No more excuses. Was Banning came from the Bruins, yes? I, I cannot remember. 
according to Wikipedia, he was the assistant general manager of the, the Boston Bruins before he came to Vancouver, which means he was on the management team that traded Tyler Sagan. Yeah, and that's an attitude thing that they... I still can't believe Anaheim has more cap space than the Devils. Yeah. Well, that's well. what have I been saying about New Jersey for a while? Yeah, I know. That's amazing. They're, they're just, I'm just running through the, the cap space left for some of these teams. And um, if Anaheim got the all clear from their, their owner, they could really splash out to change their lineup again. I know the cap's going to start getting tight in a couple of years, but, you know, the next couple of seasons, they're free and easy in a sense. Well, the, the, and that's with some of their big dogs signed already. Yeah, that's that's right. So they could go out and, and not have to move a big dog. Although um, Kessler is going to be a bad contract eventually, if not. It will. I, and I think they knew that when they signed it. But I think they feel like they'll be out of their window when that becomes a problem. So that won't kill them as such. Um, let me think. So shifting back again towards... Pittsburgh's bottom six. Um, one thing that Eric Fair brings for them is he's been playing center the last two years, can play third-line center, but he's actually been a right winger for the, the lion's share of his NHL career. This gives them a lot of great options, uh, depending on where they want to use Pascal Dupuis, right or left wing, Bo Bennett, third or fourth line, or if he earns top six on, in a best-case scenario. Uh, Sergei Plotnikov is a guy that is a real wild card. Uh, when he first was signed, people were talking about being on Malkin's left wing. Um, I personally still believe Chris Kunitz is, is going to win that spot. But they have a lot of moving parts that could be good. The only real steady uh, thing that I would pen into their lineup with the bottom six would be not moving Nick Benino from that third-line center spot. You think Lockie like, Minnan just let him ride it? He's strictly a center, so your options with Fair are playing fourth line center, which, you know, could be a great thing to speak to your depth if that's how it shakes out. But I do think he has the ability to really do a nice job as a third line winger, which he did for many years of his career. I think you want to have the only issue with playing him as a fourth line center is it just drops his minutes down too much, and so you'd want to give him extra minutes. So he could, in one game, he could flip and flop quite a lot when, when you think about it. Um, so, a you know... Shift, like, there are double shift opportunities to... He could play with Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin for a shift, if need be. Yeah. I mean, you know, Gino traditionally not particularly great at, at, at draws. I mean, you could certainly use Fair to win the draw and just put Gino in that old shotgun position that James Neal used to be in and just let him launch it after fair wins a, a, a draw. So there's just, they've finally got offensive options rather than just loading it all on the, the big two and hoping that others can, can get on board the coattails. So if if they get the opportunity to, to play wide open hockey, depending on how the, the actual game's caught on the ice this year, it, it, Penguins fans could have an absolute blast. Yeah, Bo Bennett's on the fourth line, and it's because of the depth 
that's there and everybody's playing to their potential. What a great problem to have. For problem. I mean, yeah. I've advocated Bo Bennett in the top six for a while because I do think he's talented. But if there are other players that are there, like Kessel and Hornquist, who he's not going to beat out, in my opinion, obviously, um, whether he's third or fourth line, as long as they're getting at least nine, ten minutes a game, that speaks to really quality depth, kind of like how Tampa Bay could, how they could do those kind of things throughout their playoff run. That's the kind of depth you need. Because if a guy goes down, which eventually they will, you got a guy that can go from fourth line to top six and potentially not miss a beat. And yeah, it's you don't end up with a Brian Gibbons or someone like that playing. I mean, you're not going to replace Kessel. I mean, don't I'm not getting crazy, but I'm just speaking to the ability of a lot of teams. If you promoted their fourth line right wing to the top six, would be a complete disaster. And like you said, Pittsburgh's actually done just that. For the last couple of years, yeah. So um, they're in a much better spot. I really, I really think the light bulb finally went on for them, and that's very dangerous for the rest of the league because Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin still have plenty of really good years left in them. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what where they end up in regards to points per game compared to the rest of the league, those two players. Um, because I don't think we're going to see 100 points from anyone this year coming. I think so. Uh, it will. Well, if he does that, then he's bucking the trend after what we saw last year because the game's slowing down again. The offensive talent's not getting the opportunity to to show what they can do. And it's not defensive systems. It's not coaches coaching better. It's none of that. Yeah, the but fact the teams that, can't overload on him as much as in years past. No, I, I, I fully appreciate that. But if Sid gets out there against third-pairing D-men and they're not going to call the hooks and the holds, then it, it just makes it harder again. So that's the sort of point that I make for all the superstars in the league. They get favorable opportunities, and if the league isn't going to get there and give power plays for them being uh, obstructed illegally... Um, then it just makes it just makes them sh- standing out even harder. No, I, and I agree with you. Um, I'm really hoping that there's a difference from last year in a positive direction. Am I expecting it? No, but I still hope yeah. for it. We can, yeah, we can hold out hope, I suppose. So, uh, do you have anything else to add on Mr. Sutter moving on? No, just glad that it's a topic that we probably won't have to cover anymore. I'll look at it interestingly myself, but I, I'm really hoping I don't bring it up in an article or, or in a podcast, to be perfectly honest. I, I'll guarantee, um, I guarantee I, I at least at some point throughout the season compare the two and what roles they've played for each team and kind of see how they shake out compared to one another. I can I can guarantee you I will do that. Um because I think oh, it, yeah. I think it does merit a comparison because they were basically traded for each other uh, with Vancouver with the per- obvious perception that Sutter is way better because he's a pending UFA. They know they had to pay big money for and they gave up downgraded a draft pick and added a prospect. So yeah, no, no, I know. It's just it'll be good that it's it's less of a. I just I'm just glad I don't have to watch him play. And scream at the TV. That's the reality. So, you know. I'll watch him play. It just won't anger me. 
Well, that's what I mean. I, I, I don't have to watch him with the penguin on his sweater and be frustrated with what he provides. I might laugh. Instead yeah. now. And he might prove me wrong and, and turn out to be a quality second line centre. It could happen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you say so. No, 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 no belief in saying it, but it could happen. Sure. All right, let's move on before we start getting personal. <laughs> Sorry. Sure, uh, anything, anything could happen. Let's move out of Western Pennsylvania and go across to East Pennsylvania. Okay. Jakob Voracek, eight years, 66 mil, uh, eight point. Two five million dollar cap hit, I believe. Um, I think it's a very good signing. I think same here. I think he's more than proven the last few years that he's extremely talented, and it's not a problem when you pay really great players big money. Philadelphia's problem lies in Andrew McDonald, R.J. Amberger, and Vinny Vinny Lecavalle. That's where you get into cap trouble. Paying Giroux and Voracek um, good money, that's what you want. That's You can feel safe about those investments. So It's, I just, there's not a real lot to, to say, I suppose, apart from it, they're, they're close to getting it right, Philly. It's just they've got to try and, it feels like they're heading in the right direction as well in regards to the decisions they're making with the, the sorts of players they're, they're signing. Um, Sean Couturier's contract, I think, when you get a couple of years into that extension, is going to be great value. Usage. You know? Yeah. I thought player yeah. usage killed him. They just put him in the most shutdown role ever, just always starting in his own end, playing against uh, a good good players all the time. And... Gee, Sean, why aren't you producing offense? I don't know. You you don't put me in a position to ever have any. Yeah. So I think I think that four point three is going to look great come seven, eight, eighteen, eighteen, ninety. I really do. Um. Yeah, and I, I like if they use him better like this season coming, that one point seven five is going to look like a steal. For. Just because he's still got his one year left on his entry level. So, oh, Couturier? Yeah, if Couturier comes through and, and performs like I kind of expect him to, then that, that contract's going to be an absolute steal. And then the 4.3 is going to look even better because it's already a raise. So I, I think Hextel's done quite a good job trying to clean up a roster that was really tight to move with. Yeah, but he's just got some of those contracts. He... Well, at least from where I sit right here, I don't know how he's going to move him. No, this is the problem. He might have to wait it out, but he's proving at the moment that he, he's got a different direction to what Philly have been for a long time. But I, I also make the point that Voracek is not just a passenger to Giroux. He's capable and just as responsible for their for their high amount of success, in my opinion. Yep. So... But both of those players can carry a line on their own. So if there is a center that's struggling, you could put Voracek with another center to try and help spread the offense out so they can't just get shut down because they're a one-line team sometimes. So he creates some flexibility for their coach, which is really handy to have. 
yeah, any anything else to add to, to that signing? I just think it's one of those, yep, obviously, thought that was going to happen, happen, makes sense, good. Yeah, and I haven't heard anyone sort of get there and say, what? So he's worth every penny of that, and, and hopefully he continues to play well because he was a little maligned there for, for a while, and um, he's he's proven that he was he was worth the assets given up to acquire. Tough trade for the Blue Jackets. Yeah. After uh, Jeff Carter was the prize of that trade. So they gave up Voracek and the pick that was Sean Couturier for a few months of Jeff Carter. Mm. And it's it tough. led to them getting Jack Johnson. Woof. Oh, let's not go Woof. there. Not <laughs> a good job there. <laughs> moving on for moving on for from Philadelphia. Which one do you want to tackle next? Washington. Sure, we've been men- mentioning Johansson for a few podcasts when we tried to figure out the Holtby extension and how he would fit in. Uh, I think we were both around that four million neighborhood. Yeah, and three point seven five for one year, a show me contract that could um, really benefit the player if they um, if Johansson comes out and produces. But I really like it from. Washington standpoint because if he does go out and produce I don't think they'll have a problem paying him but what they can't do is if they have any doubts which it seems that they do don't jump in if you don't have to for a long-term deal no that's a really good point I'm just sort of trying to look through their cap space for the next year and there's space there for them to you know, signing to a five and a half if he improves that much. You know what I mean? So it'll it, it'll be there for them. It'll be interesting to see how it all comes about. So, you know, well, hopefully he um he proves that for them. They should be okay. There's no big signings for them to make next year outside of Johansson. I have them at sixty one and a half million of committed money. Not this upcoming season, but the season after. Yeah. Um, Dmitry Orlov is an RFA. Tom Wilson, Michael Latta are RFAs. And maybe they view Tom Wilson more positively than I do, but I, I just don't see anything out of him that merits any kind of raise. I think he's just a fourth-line classic, go out, be as physical as I can, but maybe not do anything productive kind of player. Look, that Orpic contract could kill him in two years. Yeah, further down the road, I, I do think that contract's going to have more consequences, but for just this next year, I don't think it's quite going to sting them. No, it's going to be okay, but you get there and when you do have, you know, Kuznetsov coming through to his the end of his RFA and those sorts of situations, you're, you're like, um, where are they going to manage that cap space? Sort of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see where it all comes around because you'll then have to think about, um, you know, Carlson and Olsner um, as well. If they keep uh, trending in the directions that they are, that they'll probably deserve raises as well. Um, like you said, Olov's coming through too. So um, this team at the moment looks great. Like I, I love what they've done in Washington. Um, they've got a nice. It seems to have a nice balance between what I'd call traditional. Um, Oh, I've got traditional Barry Trotz sort of hockey um, and him still allowing the offensive talent to shine through. I suppose he's never really coached 
talent is this level. Here's here's what my problem is with what they've kind of done. Eric Fair just signed for two million a year for three more years. You're telling me they couldn't find that that space to keep him as a third line center? Currently, no. You have a look at where they are with their cap. No, they couldn't. So try and move Brooks like. Don't sign Jay Beagle to 1.75 when you can have Eric Fair at 2. No, and, and, and that's where you get there and you go, it feels like there's sort of in-between particular thought processes. But I, I like what they've got. I understand that losing Eric Fair can, could, could be a big, a big issue for them. But, you know, his asking price was obviously too much for them at, at some stage and he decided to go cheaper elsewhere. But... Yeah, I, I don't like the look of the quality of teams that are in that uh, Metropolitan Division at all. It's going to be a tough division to come out of. I think the team we talked a lot about at the beginning of the podcast, probably the favorite, though. Yeah, but they've been the favorite for, for ages, and they've not, not really come... Oh, I don't know, but it's, it's the thing. Like You look at a lot of teams in that division, no one's really going to care what they do in the regular season, it's sort of going to start mattering the last 10 games of the year in the playoffs. So um, the, it's one of those things like the Atlantic, it is called the Atlantic still, isn't it? Or the North. Oh. No, no, no. The other division. I can't yeah, remember yeah, what it's. It's the Atlantic. Yeah. The Atlantic, like you get there and go, it feels like there's a bit of a transition going on in that, that division with Boston, obviously falling apart a little bit and Tampa looking like they're going to dominate it. Um, Montreal is going to be an interesting one for me because they need to dominate. Or they need Kerry Price to dominate again for them to be anywhere near as good as what they were last year. So that's even with the, the signing of, of Alex Simmons. So, yeah, well, and another Alex, uh, Gail Chenyuk, very friendly deal for them. Yes, it was. It was. And, and he, once again, it will come down to play usage for some of these guys. If they're, coach actually gives them an opportunity to succeed they probably will they get a new coach that's potentially a lot more dangerous team in my opinion yeah i look we saw what happened when when pittsburgh got the shackles taken off them in regards to to how they play so it would be i think it would be nice for Kerry price to, to not have to unless you know some players do thrive in that that aspect he's the only reason they're in a lot of games but they so they did some okay things under the radar. Um, Galchenyuk at $2.8 million, uh, could potentially come back to bite them, not quite as hard as P.K. Subban on that uh, ludicrous yeah. bridge deal that they – I don't know yeah. what they were thinking there. It was obvious P.K. was trending towards what he is these at, at the current moment, so I don't know why they <laughs> did a bridge deal with him. They should have done the uh, Eric Carlson 6.57 mil for a long time. And uh, been yeah, done having, with having been perceived as underpaid, as opposed to the perception that he has to absolutely dominate every game to be worth that nine million dollar contract, and he's worth it even when he goes through a rough patch. But it, it does it does make things a bit harder to explain at times. So Gelchenyuk currently two point eight. Um, he should start to get and uh, better as he goes. He's still pretty young. Uh, getting cash in for Proust. Prust, whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, sorry. Um, but that's that's an upgrade. Um, Cassian's not the best, 
but I just what what press gave them I, I I think is old mentality kind of stuff. There's a, that that was an upgrade for them. As you mentioned, Alex Semin at 1.1 million is an absolute steal, even if he flounders. And signing Jeff Petrie gives them just an another sound defenseman that they didn't have. And all of this lessens the burden on Carey Price. So they'll be better. Just just with that back six for Montreal, are they going to try and use Petrie and Subban as their top pairing now and let Markov just be a number two pairing? They're both righties, so... Yeah, it's just... Well, they, they need a lefty then to... I don't know. They need a righty to help Markov out, as in getting to drop down the depth chart. He just—he's getting burnt more and more often, injured more and more often. It'd be good for them to be able to have him as a second-line pairing. That's all. I don't know. It'd be interesting if they could sign like a Christian Erhoff on a lower kind of deal. That would be yeah. a really nice fit, but. Um, he's kind of been talking with Columbus, I believe. I oh, don't go to Columbus. They need him. I know they need him, and they get him, and it'll be great for them. <laughs> you know? I, um, unfortunate year in Pittsburgh for him. Um, injuries kind of derailed that. I thought that was a really, really good signing. It just didn't work. That's one of those things where injuries can do that, and it, it does wreck a, a good idea. So, you know, hopefully for, for his sake or wherever he ends up, he gets to play, you know, 65-plus games. Um, What's the other signing that we wanted to discuss? There was one more, I think. Derek Stepan of the New York Rangers, six years, 39 mil, uh, $6.5 million cap hit. Um, a signing that um, I think the Rangers were – between a rock and a hard place on this one, obviously have to sign him. Um, I do think Stepan's a, a very responsible and good player, but it's kind of one of those players where you're thinking more five million, not six point five million, and that kind of raises that perceived uh, what you need out of the outcome. You'll need a little bit more offense from him potentially to. I don't think it's a bad contract per se. I, I just think it's one of those where you're like, ah, we're in a spot to probably we, we got to pay a little bit more than, you know. We want it. Yeah. Uh, has Jeff Gordon taken over now? Uh, not officially yet, I don't think. But obviously, um, he's certainly much like Jason Botterill in Pittsburgh. Has the general manager's ear and, and at least has – some form of influence. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is just... That Rangers team's an interesting mix of decisions, so... Well, I, I kind of retract my step-on statements looking at it a little bit. Offensively, he's actually pretty great. First line, um, assists per 60 and points per 60 at even strength. Uh have very high-end uh, shot generation for a second line, almost at the first line level. And his impact on his line mates for goals for, high second line level, goals against, he's a top-line, first-line level player. 
So the six five's worth it. Looking at all of that, which is pretty good stuff. Well, it's just it's an interesting mismatch of, of, of roster types. Yeah, but you, you you look at the numbers and they're not lying. And I certainly had a perception just a, a few minutes ago that was maybe a, uh, slightly unfair to him. A little harsh. <laughs> but I, I trust what um, the sample size and the data, uh, the quality of data from the, the person it's from. And, you know, I guess the 6.5 looks a little better than at first glance. Um it's just one of those funny things. Like you don't say, Derek Stepan, yeah, one of the best first line centers in hockey, but he's not being paid like one, so I guess it doesn't matter. What's what's your what's your dollar value for top line center? Like, are you talking seven and a half million above? Sign, are they signing now or before? Yeah. Top line centers, you're looking yeah. nine to ten mil. Yep. So you he'd be you saw the beginning of it with Taves. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You're going to see it with Kopitar and Stamkos. They're going to be nasty contracts. But <laughs> worth it. But I'm, I'm just geez. saying that's that's where you're. Yeah, but and that's what I was just trying to—I was just trying to get a, a mental level of, of where you sort of make that cut off the top line, and then you know, very good second line center, and it looks as though Derek Stepan's contract is right about where the Rangers w- would want it to be. They've got a few people on that roster that uh, are just wasting cap space, so to get him for the right value and not totally overpay. Not to um, interrupt you, but Tanner Glass is going to be making one point four five million <laughs> this year. <laughs> And next year. I was going to see if we could get through this without no. his name being mentioned. I deliberately if tried not to. are going to talk about the Rangers and you're going to talk about wasted cap space, I have to just... <laughs> they gave him the three-year contract for $1.5 million. Honestly, I don't like fishing, but to be honest, I think I caught a fish with that just then. <laughs> I know. It's, I'm, I'm, an, <laughs> I'm an easy mark. Oh, for that one you are, definitely. To their credit... <laughs> Kevin Hayes only makes nine hundred thousand for next year, and he was and that's the baffling that and that's the baffling thing about it in regards to some of the contract decisions. You go brilliantly done, and then you look at the ten of glass one, and it really does make you shake. It's like Calgary with Derek England. That's, that's just that one per just, year. Yeah, <laughs> I love that Bob, that Bob McKenzie tweet. That's my favorite one, and it's two point nine million. That's per year. <laughs> like I thought it was a bad contract at three years yes. for two point nine million. Yeah. The per year that was, that was such a funny tweet. Uh, he's for a man that's uh, very good at his job. He certainly knows his audience, doesn't he? Yeah, he's that was, that was really good. But yeah, Calgary's done a few of those. Uh, I suppose you could make the argument that every team does, but I do think it's becoming less and less. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, the, it looks as though the roster decisions are transitioning into a skill-slash-speed game, which aesthetically is, is much more pleasing to watch. It comes down to whether the coaching staff will allow players to play to that style, and as I consistently harp on, whether the officials allow that stuff to, to be highlighted as well. So um, I'm glad that the general managers are pushing in that direction as a general rule. 
Um, but we'll see whether the whole league gets on board before the game transitions into a different style of hockey again. I And to speak to this transition that I think we're in the beginning stages, very beginning stages of, of kind of getting away from untalented grit towards maybe giving that AHL tweener that has been putting up a lot of offense at the AHL but has some growing pains at the NHL level, giving more of those guys a chance. I think yeah. that is a good trend heading into a known expansion era of adding two more teams because if GMs are more open-minded about maybe getting some more of these skilled um, players that haven't transitioned as well, I think that will be better for the entertainment product as you expand the rosters um, two more teams than letting some of these you know, if they had that old mentality, this expansion idea would be asinine. But I do think there's enough good players that haven't been given a legitimate chance because of old perceptions that you may be able to um, do this expansion and not see a huge drastic difference in the uh, quality of product. And that's, that's sort of one of my fears with the expansion. Um, hopefully... Hopefully there's not that drop-off because the, the depth charts on everyone's team gets a bit thin. So we'll, we'll see how it, how it pans out. I think it'll... Well, we'll have an expansion podcast at some point in time. Well, once they actually declare who's got it, I suppose. thought Seattle was going to get it, but they didn't even put in for it. So it's pretty much Quebec and Las Vegas, I would assume. And I don't think the league will be unhappy with that at all. No, I'm fine with it. Yeah, it'll be great Under for the, the assumption that um, if Arizona does not move into Phoenix from Glendale, then they need to get the hell out of there. Yeah, that that's a relocation in itself when you you think about it. They'll do fine in Phoenix, I think. Yeah, Glendale's a we've we've discussed this. It just doesn't make sense. No one wants no. to drive 50 minutes on a weekday. In the desert to watch ice hockey. You're you're making a product that isn't known to, or isn't been totally accepted by the Southwest, and making it inconvenient to attend. And no kidding, you don't have success. <laughs> um, is there is there anything any other topic specifically you, you want to discuss? Did you get any think... questions? We, oh, I did we, actually. We've, We've been terrible about this, by the way. We throw these tweets out like 20 minutes before we're going on. Hey, give us questions. We should be... Uh, um, a little better? I should be putting this out at least a day ahead or, or um, the morning of. and I, You know, it's summer. I've been slacking. I do, I do, have, I do have a couple of questions, though, and I think we might, have, we might have... Well, I might have answered this because of how excited I am. Tim HC gets there and asks... Where do the Penguins stand on entertainment value? He feels like this is the most exciting. You know, he's, he's been most excited. He's been to watch games. I'm I'm on board with, with that. I think this year, in theory, should be great fun to watch, win or lose. I think it will be really fun hockey to watch. Um, for me, I, I I agree. I think this will be the uh, Penguins team that, from top to bottom most entertaining since Jordan Stahl's last year in Pittsburgh. 
Yep. Um, the last few years since Stahl left, it's been a two-line team. The third and fourth lines have been uh, the opposite of must-see TV. It's um, you could, you know, go on a bathroom break when they were there. There's nothing exciting that was going to happen um, with those lines on the ice. It would it would if a goal was indeed scored, it was usually the just throw it at the net and hope it goes off some guy's ass kind of thing. Yeah, we we won't see as much of that, which is which is good. So, and I, and I, you know, we did the Phil Kessel podcast when it happened, but you know, I guess it hasn't totally sunk in for me yet. I, I just haven't. <laughs> I've been kind of focusing on free agency and trades on how to improve, and he's kind of been put on the back burner. But Phil Kessel is a freaking Pittsburgh Penguin. He's going to play with Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby and not Tyler Bozak. That's, even if you're not a, a Pittsburgh person, that's got to be in it. Like, you're flipping through the channels or you have the package. You get to choose what game, say, your favorite team's not playing. Come on. I mean, oh, Kessel's with Sid. Yeah, okay, I'll watch this. Kessel's with Malkin. I'll watch this. That. Kessel on a deadbeat team was exciting to watch. I can't wait yeah, to see him get time and space created for him outside of the time and space he's always been able to generate for himself uh, with his blazing speed, which is has always made me laugh that the, the fat jokes directed his way. And it's like the guy is lightning on skates. He beat Tyler Sagan in that skating contest, didn't he, a few years back? Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> make you make the jokes all you want. This guy is awesome, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. So now that you know we got that question, bringing up entertainment value, it's it's kind of ignited something in me that I haven't really thought about totally because I've been so bogged down with other stuff. But very exciting to think about watching that on an, uh, for 82 games. Plus playoffs. Yeah. Uh, any any thoughts on the current D-man roster that, that the Penguins have got? This is from um, 58 Hockey Fair, 58, just with the additions. Um, the low-end additions, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, so just looking at Dumo, Clendidding, and Erickson, I suppose. I know Dumo was on the, the roster anyway, Brian Dumoulin, but... How do you think all that's sort of going to shake out at the bottom end? Well, that's going to be interesting to watch shake out because uh, I, for one, don't know their waiver status. I know Dumoulin cannot be sent down without clearing waivers. I know that um, there is confusion with fans at times when they see one-way, two-way contract, and they see two-way contract, they think a player can just freely be sent down. That's not true. A two-way contract has nothing to do with waivers. It just means that if the player is in the NHL, he makes an NHL salary. And if he clears waivers, if he needs to, and goes down to the AHL, they'll make an AHL salary. A one-way NHL contract is they get paid the full full amount AHL or NHL. So Yeah, no matter where they are. Um Clendenning, 
I know he's part of the trade. We really didn't bring him up at all in our earlier discussion. No, it, it, it shows you the excitement levels of just having um, Brandon Sutter off the roster. What I'll say about Clendenning is I'll um, try and make a parallel. Scott Harrington, both prospects, they've been in organizations that at the time they were there were pretty deep in defense prospects. Uh, Clendenning actually started in Chicago. And to break Chicago's lineup, you are talking about surpassing Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, uh, Chalmerson, uh, Roosevelt, and I do you as well. So, you know, is it a knock against him that he couldn't crack that? Um, I don't know. That's not. You're talking about the three-time Stanley Cup champion, best team of the uh, analytics slash post-lockout era. Um, he was ranked as Vancouver's top defense prospect. So, at worst-case scenario, well, I guess if he can't pay, I don't know his waiver status. But if he does make it down no. to Wilkes-Barre, yeah, that's a great depth guy in the organization that'll. Uh, probably do a good job for the farm team and could be called up. Um, it's one of those things. Pittsburgh won on Benino Sutter straight up. To get Clendenning and the, the upgrade from third to second is a bonus. So if Clendenning, they he, they just don't have that spot for him, and he gets claimed off of waivers, it's like, well, you know, that kind of sucks, but whatever. They didn't. They didn't give up anything for him specifically. He came along in the deal. So if he does go, um, I don't think Pittsburgh lose out on that deal because the main components of that deal are the wash part of the deal anyway. Although I want to say I heard a few little rumblings that Pittsburgh targeted him and, and wanted him in that deal. That was going to be part of the deal. So they obviously. Uh, if if my memory serves correct, you know they think highly of him enough to to make a point to get him. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that actually. I, I could be wrong on that. I, I see so much stuff that floats through the the Twitterverse, um, but I do think I saw that somewhere. Um, as far as Dumoulin, he's going to have to make the team. It's it's put up or shut up time. He he played a. A fairly long college career. He's in his mid-20s. If he's going to be playing in the NHL for the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's going to have to be now. Look, I I liked what I saw out of him is is he went through the the playoffs. He seemed to get better as it went along at the the tougher time of the, the year. So hopefully he has confidence in himself from that point and can move forward. Who's the other one on that? Erickson. Yeah, I, I think he's kind of the... Um, I think he's more of the AHL. They hope goes makes it through and be a Taylor Chorney-esque call-up. That would be him. But I think he's a former for the early 20s first-round pick. I mean, he has that pedigree, but it hasn't materialized to this point. We'll see what happens, I suppose. I mean, players can be late bloomers, and the team that ends up with them as they finally work it all out, you know, gets the steal in in a sense. 
So you never know. He might blossom in, in, in Pittsburgh's farm system and then come through and be great, or he could just fade away and end up somewhere else and, and work it out then. Yeah, the big thing was Benino at 1.9 for two years and trading a underperforming pending UFA looking for more money. Yeah, so Pittsburgh have helped themselves out in, in a few different ways with that. So uh, were there any other questions? Uh, no, they were the ones we got. I mean, we did have uh, Chris Wassel up. asking how long until they put <laughs> Sutter in Vancouver. I did. I thought that. that was amusing. Um, I don't know. It'll take a little while. I don't think people are rude by nature. I think they'll want a large sample size. Um, I never booed them, so I don't know. Take that for what uh, it's worth. It's it's one of those things though. You, you look at it and it's what are the fans in the arena expecting out of their player? You know, I don't think Brandon Sutter was ever going to get booed playing on the ice in the arena. But you get there and the stuff that sort of frustrates the hell out of me watching him play. Although if they give him like four and a half, five million for a long time. And he doesn't that might speed well, up. Uh, that's, yeah, that's like true. Like you spoke to that contract perception, uh, like you made the PK Subban point. At seven mil, hey, he's underpaid. But at nine mil, if you go through multiple cold spots, you'll start to feel the heat. And he was just feeling the heat in Pittsburgh just because he wasn't performing as a third line at his current current contract. So yeah, it's a good point. I think that does it though. Yeah, no. I think it does for us. I've got nothing else to add. So for a time of the year where I really thought it would be quiet. We've actually had a few topics to go on with. And I must say, you sounded brilliant tonight. You're, you're, the quality of your sound. <laughs> well, it helps when you get equipment. <laughs> now, Cam, Cam stepped up to the plate. We got matching microphones now, the, uh, the Blue Yetis. So we're in. We've got serious, people. We've got serious. Yeah, we're, we're reinvesting into this podcast. So hopefully, um, you know, the sound is better so hopefully when we get guests on um at least now i won't sound worse than they do over the phone (laughs) Uh, no it was never quite that bad but it's nice i think there's a noticeable difference excellent so excellent excellent well thanks people hopefully we've got something to talk about next week as well yeah Signings, trades, let's hope for it. If not, we'll figure something out. So, till then, we don't. Eat- I'm Ryan Wilson.